Welcome to This Week in Location-Based Marketing with your hosts, Asif Khan and Abriana Lopez. All right, we are back for your favorite podcast of the week. This is This Week in Location-Based Marketing, episode number 392, and we're recording live on Monday morning. It is December now. Just, what, it is. a few weeks till Christmas. Yeah, it's actually Hanukkah today, right? It is. That's right. Yeah. Happy Hanukkah. Happy Hanukkah. To our Jewish friends, <laughs> yes. 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 Um, yeah, the holidays are like in full swing now. What's going on? Where did 2018 go? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But uh, yeah, it's it's once you hit December, it's like this full steam, you know, just craziness of events and parties and... I know. Stuff happening, right? Decorating. I'm exhausted. And, yeah. Yeah. It's exhausting <laughs> thinking about it. So I know. Yeah. So but you but had a good fun. week last week? Yeah, it was good. Um we had kind of like a rainy, lazy, you know, holiday weekend, which was it's nice to have those, you know, Saturdays that happen once in a blue moon where we just like stay in our pajamas and hang out around the house and my kids destroy the house and you know, but yeah. It's fine. Um, so yeah, good week. Lots of stuff, you know, wrapping up the year. And like you said, holiday parties coming up. We've got our company holiday party this week and all kinds of fun and excitement. <laughs> yeah. Well, I had a uh, pretty crazy week last week in Europe. Yes, so. you did. Yeah, it was insane. It was, uh, so we had this uh, four events in four different countries last week for LBMA, uh, starting with Paris on Monday, and then it was London Tuesday, Brussels Wednesday, Amsterdam Thursday. And uh, my plan was to um, fly from Toronto to Paris on Sunday night, overnight, and kind of get there you know, sort of midday, mid-morning uh, on uh, Monday and then be ready for this event in the evening. And uh, it didn't quite work out like that. So, yeah, so I uh, I, I had a crazy ordeal getting there, but uh, I got there. So basically, uh, the short of it is um, I checked in at, um, flight was like 9.30 at night on Sunday night, and I checked in, you know, went through the, all the normal check-in stuff, uh, had plenty of time, went to the lounge, you know, relaxed, grab a snack, you know, uh, went through security, you know, all that, uh, went to the gate, you know, when there was boarding time, they upgraded me to business class, all of that. They boarded me on the plane. Okay. I'm sitting in the plane on my seat. And then, um, about, you know, seven, eight minutes goes by and they come on the PA system. They're like, Mr. Khan, please come back to security. And I'm like, what is going on? Um, so literally they pulled me off the plane with like security guard guy walking me back, you know, back along the bridge, back out to the, uh, to the gate. And like, meanwhile, like the rest of the, of the passengers haven't boarded yet. Like they've held everybody up to take me off. And so like, I'm like being walked off like a criminal now in front of everybody, super embarrassing. Oh my gosh. And then everybody's looking at me like, what did this guy do? Right? Like, yeah. Right. <laughs> and I'm like, this is crazy. Like what is happening? So anyhow, they pull me aside. They bring all this like staff from, you know, the airline and everybody. And they're like, sorry, Mr. Khan, you can't go to Paris tonight. And I'm like, why not? And they're like, well, we just heard from uh, Paris or, you know, whatever French authorities that, uh, your passport's not valid for, uh, for travel there. And I'm like, what do you mean? It's expires at the end of January. I'm like, yeah. And they're like, no, it needs to be good for 90 days to go to, to France. Um, 
And I'm like, oh, crap. So, yeah, apparently, like, all these EU countries, uh, most of them that are part of this thing called the Schengen region have this 90-day future validity thing. And mine was only good for, like, 40-something days or whatever. And I'm like, okay, so... I'm freaking out now because I've got, you know, an entire four days of events planned. Two of them are brand new chapters, like we're launching Paris, the first night being one of them. You know, I've got all these hotel rooms, all these other flights and things booked in between. And I'm like, this is insane. Like, um, so I'm freaking out. And then I'm like trying to collect my thoughts. And I'm like, okay, so what about London, which is the second night? Can I go to London? And they're like, yeah, London's fine. It's, uh, it's not part of the same group. They don't have the same rules. And I'm like, okay, is there any flights to London? So this is now 9.30 at night on Sunday. And they're like, yeah, there's actually a midnight flight, but we don't know if there's any room on it or anything like that. And I'm like, well, you better find some room on it. Like, so, <laughs> <laughs> so they worked some magic. They kicked somebody off the plane, I guess. I don't know what they did, but uh, I ended up getting on the midnight flight. So I arrived in London at Heathrow at like 12.30, like noon uh, in the afternoon. Um, and uh, the event in Paris is at 6 p.m. Um, and I'm like, I'm going to take a chance. Uh, so I went straight from Heathrow in a taxi to the Eurostar train station and took the train, uh, to Paris, which they, they didn't care about the 90 days. They just like looked at my passport, said it was valid and let me on. So, um, anyway, so I took the train. So I, I pulled into Paris train station at 5.30 PM, supposed to speak at six and it's Paris rush hour at 5.30, right? So there's no way it's half an hour at least to the venue normal times. And uh, so the, the, our, our, our sponsors, S4M, who are hosting the event, they had arranged, like I've been keeping them updated. So they're like, you know, we'll have a car ready for you when you get to the train station, try and get you here as quickly as possible. So I pull out of the train station. I'm like looking for a car, a guy with my name, nothing. I can't find it. Then my phone starts ringing. This driver's calling me. And uh, he's like, where are you? I'm like, right here. I can't find you. So I come outside. I'm across the street by this, like, just look for this restaurant. I'm right there. Uh, so I walk out. I still don't see a car. And then the guy's on the phone and he's waving now and I see him and I like walk over. It's a freaking motorcycle taxi. <laughs> it's a motorcycle. Like, you know, and they're like, well, we figured in rush hour, like you're going to be in like wall to wall traffic. So I get on like, you know, like strap on all this stuff, airbag vests, like helmet and like gloves. Oh, it's freezing cold. Gosh. And I hop on my, my luggage is like strapped to the back of this thing with like four bungee cords. And I get on this thing and then like literally like we're zooming in and out of traffic around cars, center lines, like it's insane. And I got there at like six, six thirty and like dropped my bag and went on stage to speak. So yeah. That oh was my, my gosh. Uh, my experience. Well, it paid, it, it paid for a good story. So. Yeah. And then I spent all the next day in London, like at the embassy trying to get a new passport, which I pulled off this temporary passport. Look at that magic white Day. passport. Yes. <laughs> to get me to the rest of the week. So yeah. Anyhow. There you go. Sorry. So that's that's our first story for the week. <laughs> that's a crazy location based story right oh, there. Oh my goodness. Yeah. 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 Well, um a quick crazy plane story that will be like a fraction of that time is um so my dad texted me last night. He's like, I just got off the plane. He's like the craziest thing happened. I had to help the flight attendant knocked down the bathroom door somebody was stuck in the bathroom um for like 40 minutes and they had to break the door wow i'm like well that's interesting i'm like that was is... somebody sick in there he's like no the lock just like malfunctioned and they, and they couldn't could... get out wow I'm like that's, that's that is crazy 
I'd probably be freaking out as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Can you imagine being the one locked in there? Like that's... I know. You probably feel so embarrassed, but, mm. you know, whatever. So anyways, we have a good show that has nothing to do with planes, trains, or automobiles today, no. I don't think. I don't um, so. But yeah. Should I kick it off? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So this uh, first story is from a company. It's a New York-based startup called Spent. And it's an app that gives rebates um, to people for shopping at specific retailers, so um, to customers. So to me, it kind of sounds like an Ebates, if you're familiar with that online platform where you, you know, you're doing your digital shopping, you have the Ebates option, and you shop through Ebates, and you get like cash back for anything that you buy. Well, this platform, they have a new platform that they're kind of tying in with this now. And basically what it's doing is it's allowing um, tailored offers to be given to their consumers or the app users. And then the analytics are going back to the retailers. Um, I think this is interesting. They're working with folks like, you know, Walmart and eBay and Groupon. And um, I think that the analytics giving back to the retailers is probably an incentive in order to get more retailers on board is probably what I feel like is happening here which will then attract hopefully more customers and consumers um, of the app. So this is only when people shop through the app. So my issue here is kind of the reach of this, right? Like how, you know, how typically if you want to have reach, you kind of have to pay for that for new apps. Um, And it can be very expensive. I think that it's hard to do, even if you have, you know, Walmart or something that's, you know, part Mm -hmm. of your, your group, it doesn't really matter. What's the difference between me going on walmart.com, you know, or using the Walmart app to shop, or whatever else it may be. So I think that the reach here is going to be a little bit of a challenge, but the analytics in terms of what they're giving back to the retailers is probably going to attract them, especially if they allow them to be part of their ecosystem for, um, you know, free or, you know, a small fee or, you know, processing fees, things like that. Um, So I think this is interesting. I think this is a huge uh, goal to sort of like set out and tackle in the market at this point in time, especially for a startup. But um, I don't know. I guess we need to find out a little bit more about spent, figure out like how deep are their pockets, who's involved uh, to see, you know, or gauge how successful we potentially think they can be. But I think the idea is certainly ambitious. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. I think the uh, I mean, they're working with some big companies, Walmart, they say, eBay, Groupon, um, you know, it looks like they've got some good customers. Like I question, you know, the timing, right? Like, I, like there's been a lot of players in this area, you know, over the last number of years. I, you know, as you were talking, I was thinking about companies like Retail Me Not and Check Out 51 and, and some of these types of platforms who've sort of been in this space and providing uh, a layer of, of analytics to the retailers as well in terms of redemption uh, around the offers and things like that. So, um, yeah, I mean, I don't have a lot to say about this. I, th- I think it's, you know, they seem to be doing okay. They seem to be, you know, sort of now focusing on providing the retailer with insights and not just the consumer with great, you know, uh, offers, um, which seems like a logical next step. But, um, yeah, I don't know a lot about them either. I think I think it's... Uh, it's one of those things where I, I think it's a crowded marketplace. I think there's uh, the, the challenge I have with all the platforms in this space is, you know, where do you sit ultimately over the next couple of years as we look forward, you know, as things like Apple Pay and Google Pay, you know, and, and those types of platforms start to move forward into this space, right? Because right now we look at them as as payment platforms, right, to facilitate the transaction. 
but there's nothing to say that they can't go and say now we're in the in the offers you know piece of it as well uh, mm-hmm. And then you redeem it through your, you know, Apple Pay wallet or your Google Pay or Samsung Pay or whatever it's going to be, um, which people already have on their phone, solving the distribution issue, right? So, um, so we'll see. But uh, I don't know. Yeah. If you have feedback on spent, let us know. Yeah. All right. On to our second story. Uh, moving over to China now. There's a company over there called Linkshure. It's one word: L-I-N-K-S-U-R-E. And they have set out with a very ambitious goal to uh, provide free global Wi-Fi around the world. Uh, they say they're going to do this with a constellation of 272 satellites that they're launching by 2026 to provide free Wi-Fi service globally, uh, competing directly with companies, they say, like Google and SpaceX. Um, this is very ambitious. We'll see how this plays out. They say uh, this company's been around since 2013. They're based in Shanghai. Uh, the satellites are going to be launched from the Jingquan Satellite Launch Center in northwest China. Um, and they say by uh, 2020, they'll have the first 10 satellites up and then uh, 272 satellites by 2026. That seems like a big leap from 2020 to 2026, but... Um, yeah, I mean, we'll see. They're investing 3 billion yuan, which is $431.4 million US uh, in doing this. And um, yeah, they according to the UN, this is absolutely needed. They say there's 3.9 billion people uh, around the world uh, who don't have internet yet or access to the internet. So I certainly get that aspect of it uh, in terms of, uh, you know, giving people access to the internet. We know... Uh, especially in, in some third world markets where this is an issue, uh, how uh, you can, you know, you can kind of not just provide internet access, but internet access as a, as a tool for, um, you know, empowerment and education and knowledge, uh, you know, to places that, that struggle to have that or don't have schooling systems like we do or things like that. So, um, so I, I, I'm, obviously I'm, I'm pro uh, very much in support of this uh, story. We'll see whether they can pull it off. Yeah, hopeful for sure. I, what I find pretty interesting about this story is that it's coming from um, a company in China, right? Because I feel like, you know, offering free Wi-Fi to the world whenever I think the country itself is somewhat censored from what I understand in terms of like, you know, their internet access and things that they are allowed to do and not allowed to do. Um, I think that's very interesting. And it also kind of reminds me of, you know, Facebook had, um, I believe, like those sort of like floating, almost like air balloon satellite things that they were putting out all over, right? It reminded me of that a little bit. And so, um, you know, big ambitions, similar to Facebook. Um, Haven't really heard of Linkshare before, but we definitely know that this is something that's needed to give um, less developed countries and areas of the world access, like you said, um, to help them with things like you know, processes that could provide cleaner water or education, um, even in hard to reach areas. So, um, yeah, I'm certainly hopeful. There you go. All right. So the next link sure. Yeah. And this, we're going to go actually back to France for this next story. Um, in the midst of a lot of, it seems kind of like a crisis right now and, um, a lot of riots that are going on. Um, and kind of, I think, near the area where a lot of that is going on, um, this this French grocery store called Casino um, has opened its first cashierless 
um, store. So they're kind of combating what Amazon's doing or copying what Amazon's doing um, in their stores. And, um, you know, this is the first location. It's in Paris. So obviously probably a little bit more forward thinking of an area. And I'm sure it'll get a lot of um, visits. But their mission statement is a place to eat, relax, and shop where digital services enhance and simplify the day-to-day shopping experience. So um, pretty straightforward what their mission is. And I mean, I like it, you know, this is a lot of people are trying this out. What I love about this is that it's somebody who um, is a retail chain. Again, we had talked about, I think, um, a company that was powering any retailer to kind of go cashierless um, last week or two weeks ago in the show. And I off the top of my head can't remember who that company was. But you know, this is somebody else, not an Amazon, not a huge, you know, mm-hmm. like behemoth of a company that's offering something like this to, um, you know, this type of experience to their customers and um, making things more simple. So it's very interesting. Yeah, I think this is cool, too. I, it, you know, what was interesting to me was um, when I was at the event, finally made it to that event in Paris. Afterwards, I was chatting with some folks uh, following my presentation and they brought up this store. They said, like, you know, have you seen the new store here in, in uh, on the Champs de Lisée? And I said, no, obviously I just arrived and hadn't had a chance to go exploring. And Karsten was there, who runs our uh, German our German uh, operations and our retail tours. And he had, you know, specifically said, like, this is the kind of thing that we would we would take people on on a tour of, um, and was going to try and uh, try and visit it. But uh, it's definitely drawing people's attention. Uh, I can tell you that in Paris, people are talking about it, um, and I think it makes sense. And it's big. It's it's three floors, six thousand products. They said open, you know, seven twenty four. Um, and they even have like a co-working space in there, um, inside the store. They have, uh, linkages with a French e-commerce, um, uh, retailer called C discount, uh, where they're selling their products. They have like one of those, if you remember way back, we, we had this project with, uh, uh, in, uh, in Korea with, um, I can't remember the, uh, the sub brand under Tesco that operates in Korea that had this in the subway platforms. They had that, uh, digital signage shoppable wall where you could scan products and order yeah. and then it would put it in your basket and deliver it to your house. So things like that, I think are, are, are part of this environment as well, uh, in the store. So yeah, I, I think this is, this is exciting. Um, you know, there's going to be lots of players trying to compete with, you know, what Amazon's doing with the ghost stores and, uh, good on, uh, good on casino for, uh, for trying and getting people excited about it. So there you go. That's our three industry news stories for this week. Uh, I'm going to shift gears and pause for a moment before we go into the member news um, and share a little bit of research uh, from one of our members, uh, that is Reveal Mobile. And uh, they put out a little uh, graph and uh, blog post uh, about the recent Black Friday retail visits. Um, and not surprisingly, um, the number one at the top of that list in terms of most visited uh, on Black Friday was Walmart receiving 3.4% of all U.S. retail visits. That is huge. That is significant when you think about it. 3.4% of the entire U.S. retail visits on Black Friday, followed closely by Target at 1.8. But right up there, interestingly enough, was Verizon Wireless at 1.4%, number three. Uh, that to me is interesting, right? You know, like what are people going there for? Are they buying new phones for, for people or was there some big sale going on? I mean, obviously not living there and, uh, in the U S not knowing kind of what the offers were. Uh, I don't know, but obviously something was drawing people into Verizon, uh, and then followed, uh, by Home Depot, then Lowe's and then Spring and Best Buy. 
So those are that's your kind of top uh, top performers uh, there, in terms of uh, the Black Friday uh, visitation. I encourage you to go to uh, Reveal Mobile's uh, website and read the full blog post there. Uh, they also said that they quoted in the blog post that uh, traffic uh, to U.S. stores um, fell between five and nine percent over last year. So it's down overall uh, slightly over last year. And uh, there's, I read some other articles today, uh, this morning, that we're talking about. Uh, there seems to be an expectation by the retail uh, sector right now that people are holding back until the sort of the Christmas, post-Christmas uh, sales a little bit, thinking that there's going to be even better deals or deeper discounts. So we'll see. Yeah. As a Verizon user, I can say I did get some promotion to like exchange your you know old iPhone to get $100 off of. Hmm one of the newest iPhones. So okay. maybe that's what people were doing. I don't know. Um, and I, you know what I also think is that the wet, I think the weather is very influential in black Friday. So I know, um, black Friday here, I'm not a black Friday shopper. I'm not like a big shopper anyways, but <laughs> I definitely have no desire to go out, um, on that day whatsoever, but it was really rainy and really cold here. And that probably certainly deterred some people who were like on the fringe about going out to just, you know, stay home in their pajamas and eat their Thanksgiving Day leftovers here. But, um, yeah, I think that's certainly interesting. Um, and I do think that probably after the holidays, the sales are good, which is why us Latinos celebrate Three Kings Day, Dia de los Reyes Magos. So that that's on January 6th and you get all the good sales. <laughs> there you go. And it's amazing. That's what we do. That's what you do. <laughs> All right. And the other, one other stat that I thought was really cool is they said, uh, this is a, they quoted a stat from Adobe that put out a uh, uh, report as well. And they said that uh, uh, just over 33% of all online orders this year were placed on mobile devices. Um, so not even online, like on your, on your laptop or whatever, but on a, through a mobile, uh, phone, uh, in particular. So that's, yeah. That's, so that's why I think if you have a mobile site or, or anything that people are engaging with from a mobile perspective, whether it's via Instagram or whatever, if you're not offering Samsung or Apple pay, you are like missing the boat. That mm -hmm. to me is like a big deterrent. If, if I can pay with Apple pay, like I am much more, um, of an impulse buyer than if I have to go find my credit card and enter all the information. Yeah, absolutely. And, and on that note, I read this morning in another article that apparently Target might be finally softening and going to allow Apple Pay soon. So. Oh my God, I yes. need that in my life. So there you go. Um, anyhow, all right, so that's uh, just a quick little feature. Check out Reveal Mobile's blog post on Black Friday results uh, if you are interested in those types of numbers. We'll move over to our member news now. So, okay, uh, I'll start off with our good friends here at McDonald's. Uh, who doesn't like a good McDonald's? Uh, Big Mac, everybody, come on. Um, it's, uh, you know, it's a, it's a treat, right? It's good. And uh, in Colombia uh, now, they've teamed up with JC Deco Colombia, uh, and they've got a very cool campaign running where you can get some free Big Macs uh, by dancing in the streets. And so uh, basically they've got a bus shelter digital signage promotion running in Bogota uh, and uh, to celebrate uh, the 50th anniversary of the Big Mac sandwich there, uh, you basically have a kind of, 
I won't call it like shadow boxing, but basically, you know, they put a dance move on the screen and then you have to emulate it. We've seen this before with uh, with Coca-Cola uh, in previous uh, campaigns some years ago. But basically, you know, somebody does a dance move on the screen, you're standing out there watching it, and then using cameras and other things, you try to copy it. And if you do it right, you earn a McCoin, which you can then uh, redeem for a free Big Mac. Nothing, you know, simpler than that. Pretty cool. And people are dancing and having fun in the streets of Bogota. Yeah, food makes people dance, for sure. My one-year-old, she's always dancing when I give her food. She's a happy girl. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that's I think it's fun, you know, getting people involved. Um, and obviously, like, having some sort of value. Like, you've got to do something in order to earn this. It's not just a free coupon that you're getting sent and doesn't necessarily have any um like skin in the game from the consumer so i think it's fun it's like it's a joyful campaign then she makes people happy for sure there you go yeah well we're gonna go over to uh walmart now um and talk about this new kind of they did for veterans day um just a few weeks ago so they teamed up with shopkick um and unilever and actually to be specific the suave um, division like the Suave uh, brand, shampoos, conditioners, things of like that. So within Walmart, they were using a 2D image recognition technology within the Shopkick platform. Um, and so Suave wanted to promote a Veterans Day cause. So they chose, um, it's called Fisher House Foundation. And what they do is they provide access to kind of a home away from home for families who are visiting either veterans in the hospital or active military personnel in the hospital. So it's a very good cause. Um, but what they did is they donated a dollar to the Fisher House Foundation for every um, limited edition swab package that was purchased through the Shopkick platform. And they did it by um, so consumers on the app could interact with the logo. They could get kicks, you know, which we all know is the currency that Shopkick uses. Um, and then they also Shopkick also got a little charitable themselves and said that, you know, they're going to give 10 percent of the overall campaign budget um, to the to, to the cause. So I'm sure that that was, um, you know, well accepted by uh, Fisher House and, and the veterans. I like this, but I what I think about, um, I didn't see anything about this come across whatsoever in any like digital out of home or just social interaction or anything like that. So I think that everything is good, but without any type of um, further campaign marketing, whether that be via social or um, like I said, digital out of home or any other media methods that they have, it's going to kind of fall a little bit flat. It's such a good cause. So um, it would have been nice to see like a little bit more from that maybe. I mean, maybe I just missed it and I didn't, you know, I wasn't their target market because I'm not a Suave user. I don't know. Or a Shopkick user. Uh, but I think the cause is great. I love that they partnered partnered up. I love that they're using some type of image recognition technology in the platform. I think it's all really cool components. Um, I think that making um, something in terms of charity easy to interact with um, and easy for people to say yes to mm -hmm. is the point of a campaign like this. Um, so their goal was a million dollars. I don't know what they did, but I'd love to hear about it. Yeah, I'm, I like this campaign. I think it's anytime you can see you know brands teaming up to support charitable uh causes like this, I think, you know, you, you can't say, you can't say anything bad about it, right? Like yep. it, it's, it, it's a good move uh, for everybody involved here. 
you know, like like the first story we talked about, you know, I the biggest concern I have about this is uh, what, what's the reach here, right? Like in terms of obviously this is, you know, if there's not a lot of other secondary promotion uh, marketing around this, to your point, you know, you're really limited to the exposure that's created within the Shopkick uh, app user base itself, um, which is significant, um, you know, on its own. But I think that probably could be amplified quite easily, you know, if there was other pieces to this. And maybe there was, and we just don't know. But, uh, you know, at least in, in how I'm reading the story, I, you know, I didn't see that there was signage in the store or other things, you know, that uh, were drawing people's attention to even just go download this thing and, and, and participate if they wanted to, right? Um, so, so I think there's that aspect to it. On the image recognition side, I'm all over this. I think this is... Um, you know, where the industry is going. We talk, I, I think the two biggest things, trends right now in, in our industry in terms of engagement platforms are voice uh, you know, based engagement and image based engagement. And I think those two things right now are really driving a lot of campaigns and a lot of, a lot of uh, um, you know, marketing ideas uh, to be accelerated and move forward. So I love that you're doing that. I love that, you know, Suave uh, and Unilever, you know, saw that uh, as something and wanted to, to, to get involved with it. I love that Shopkick is doing an extra 10% of the overall budget to Fisher House. Um, yeah, so I think it makes sense. Um, I'm interested to know, you, you know, like you say too, not just the promotion pre uh, of, you know, trying to drive engagement around this and what was done besides you know, just promoting it within the app to the existing install base. But, you know, there is some mention about follow on afterwards in terms of check ins and, and videos and pictures and social media con context. So where's that stuff going? Um, and what, you know, how do you then kind of build some momentum around that I think is is really interesting. So but uh, but good on Shopkick, you know, for for working with Unilever and supporting uh, Veterans Day this way. Absolutely. All right, our last story, sort of sticking with good causes. Uh, Verve, uh, our friends there, have teamed up with the Ad Council uh, to uh, support Goodwill. And this is all about a goal that they set of encouraging donations and raising awareness on how the revenue from the sale of things at Goodwill helps fund programs, especially programs for education, training, uh, and helping individuals return to the workforce, so creating jobs. Um, which we know is an issue uh, for everybody, every country. Um, and so I think companies like Goodwill, you know, are what we need, uh, you know, to be doing some of this this type of work. And so in order to deliver that, uh, Verve developed uh, a, a campaign uh, on their platform with four custom audiences, uh, charitable moms, female millennials, spring cleaners, as identified by social listening chatter, they say, and then geofenced Goodwill locations. Um, and then tying that all together, they created a creative experience um, and a message basically that said, donate stuff, create jobs. Pretty simple, makes sense. Uh, and I think people get it, right? Like people, uh, you know, if you explain why you want uh, people to make donations and, and you, you can articulate the value proposition there and you can talk about how this creates jobs and reinvests in the economy. I think these are, are good messages that help drive people to, to understand, yeah, I want to do that. I want to do that. And so they've got these banner messages around, like, for example, cleaning up one's bedroom uh, floor and making donations, um, and, you know, and a bunch of things like that. So I like it. I, I think it's cool. Um, you know, my kids, for example, um, not so much uh, my daughter now, but my son, who's still 
has some toys around like you know over the years it would be you know we'd always have these times where it'd be like well you're not really playing with this thing anymore or you're not doing this anymore and he'll like he would go through these these uh you know moments or like where he would just go and take some time and like sort through all this stuff and he'd be like create a pile of stuff that he doesn't really you know isn't using anymore and like let's let's donate that and you know and um you know uh give that to somebody else right so um so I think it's important like to do that kind of clean up and, and, and help people understand, you know, the value of it. And this was a, like had some good results. So, um, you know, basically you could find the nearest uh, location for a Goodwill store as well uh, through the, the locator app in, in Goodwill and a bunch of other things. But 0.75 click through rate, um, post click uh, game engagement rate of 4.5%, they said. Uh, people on average spent 29 seconds looking at the ads uh, in this. Uh, and the biggest thing here is the store uh, visit uh, uplift uh, to actually visits to the store of 24.3% during this campaign period, which is massive. So, yeah, that's um, huge. Yeah, so there you go. Yeah, I feel like I'm dropping off stuff to Goodwill almost every week. Um, and like you, usually around this time of year, I tell um, my daughter, I'm like, okay, you're probably going to be getting some new, you know, toys, whatever you ask Santa for. So it's time to pick out some ones that you don't play with anymore. And we're going to find new homes for them or give them to somebody mm -hmm. who doesn't have any toys. And, you know, just keeping, you don't, we don't need a lot of, I'm like, get rid of the plastic junk as much as possible. But, um, I think when you have young kids, it just like takes over your house. So yeah. any opportunity that we have to like clean our closets out or do that, we definitely want to do that. And I like that they, um, did this in a digital and measurable way. And like you said, a huge lift, 24% um, yeah. to the store. That's amazing. So. Yeah, amazing. Okay. So that's it. That's our show. Uh, three industry news stories, three member news stories, a bit of a uh, feature on some Black Friday numbers from Reveal Mobile, uh, and a little bit about hearing about travel chaos uh, at the beginning. Sorry about that. Um, but uh, anyhow, uh, we love doing this every week. Uh, if you have story ideas or... Uh, uh, feedback for us uh, and I just realized as I say that uh, we did get a story idea in and uh, I neglected to include it this week so we'll have that in the, sh in the show for next week uh, but um, keep them coming um, and we'll be back next week with episode 393 I guess. happy holidays yeah. <laughs> bye bye